more than that, he's someone that we can learn from, or maybe I should say in addition to that, he's somebody that we can learn from, and we're learning about finding God's purpose for our life, lives and doing it and obeying the Lord as we watch Moses struggle and learn and grow. And today, and here in chapter 4, we're going to see Moses doing just that again, struggling a little bit, okay? So Exodus chapter 4, verse 1, we'll read this. I'll read this. You follow along. We'll read all of chapter 4. And Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice. For they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. And the Lord said unto him, What is that in thine hand? And he said, A rod. And he said, Cast it on the ground. And he cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from before it. And the Lord said unto Moses, Put forth thine hand and take it by the tail. And he put forth his hand and caught it, and it became a rod in his hand. That they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob hath appeared unto thee. And the Lord said furthermore unto him, Put now thine hand into thy bosom. And he put his hand into his bosom, and when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous as snow. And he said, Put thine hand into thy bosom again. And he put it into his bosom again and plucked it out of his bosom. And behold, it was turned again as his other flesh. And it shall come to pass, verse 8, If they will not believe thee, neither hearken to the voice of the first sign, they will believe the voice of the latter sign. And it shall come to pass, if they will not believe also these two signs, neither hearken unto thy voice, that thou shalt take of the water of the river, and pour it upon the dry land. And the water which thou takest out of the river shall become blood upon the dry land. And Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant. But I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. And the Lord said unto him, Who hath made man's mouth? Or who maketh the dumb, or deaf, or the seeing, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with thy mouth, and teach thee what thou shalt say. And he said, O my Lord, send, I pray thee, by the hand of him whom thou wilt send. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he said, Is not Aaron the Levite thy brother? I know that he can speak well, and also, behold, he cometh forth to meet thee. And when he seeth thee, he will be glad in his heart. And thou shalt speak unto him, and put words in his mouth. And I will be with thy mouth, and with his mouth, and will teach you what ye shall do. Verse 16. And he shall be thy spokesman unto the people. And he shall be, even he shall be to thee instead of a mouth, and thou shalt be to him instead of God. And thou shalt take this rod in thine hand, wherewith thou shalt do signs. And Moses went and returned to Jethro his father-in-law, and said unto him, Let me go, I pray thee, and return unto my brethren, which are in Egypt, and see whether they be yet alive. 
And Jethro said to Moses, Go in peace. And the Lord said unto Moses in Midian, Go, return into Egypt, for all the men are dead which sought thy life. And Moses took his wife and his sons and set them upon an ass. And he returned to the land of Egypt. And Moses took the rod of God in his hand. And the Lord said unto Moses, When thou goest to return into Egypt, see that thou do all those wonders before Pharaoh, which I have put in thine hand. But I will harden his heart, that he shall not let the people go. And thou shalt say unto Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord, Israel is my son, even my firstborn. And I say unto thee, Let my son go, that he may serve me. And if thou refuse to let him go, behold, I will slay thy son, even thy firstborn. And it came to pass by the way in the end that the Lord met him and sought to kill him. Then Zipporah took a sharp stone and cut off the foreskin of her son and cast it at his feet and said, Surely a bloody husband art thou to me. So he let him go. Then she said, A bloody husband thou art because of the circumcision. And the Lord said to Aaron, Go in the wilderness to meet Moses. And he went and met him in the mount of God and kissed him. And Moses told Aaron all the words of the Lord who had sent him and all the signs which he commanded him. And Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of the children of Israel. And Aaron spake all the words which the Lord had spoken unto Moses and did the signs in the sight of the people. And the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel and that he had looked upon their affliction, they bowed their heads and worshipped. Our God, we come to you, we, we bow before you now, and we thank you for how you used your servant Moses, for how you worked through him, you also worked with him and brought him along and helped him, and we pray that you would help us and that you would bring us along to the place that you want us to be in our lives, in our hearts, in our relationship with you. We pray that you would bring us the next step in our journey with you. We thank you, Lord, for your love and your care. We thank you for your patience. We pray, God, that you would just continue to be gracious to us. And Lord, help us to obey you, to trust and obey. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Moses has been redeemed from the river of destruction, from the hand of Pharaoh, he knows instinctively that there's this purpose that he has in his life. And God has been revealing that purpose to Moses. Moses has, has learned that his purpose is really and truly found only in God. He's now, he's now been told by God, as the, and they're still at the burning bush in chapter 4. That is still the scene. And in this conversation... That God is having with Moses. Moses learns that God wants him to go back to Egypt. He's run from there. He's a fugitive. But God wants him to go back. And to speak to the king. To Pharaoh. And say let my people go. And then he will lead them. Moses will lead the people of Israel. From Egypt to Canaan. That's the plan. That's God's purpose for Moses for his life. God has 
in his, in his power and in his wisdom. He has connected the desire in Moses' heart with his own plan. And now they're to go forward. God and Moses together. But now it's up to Moses to trust God. But Moses, just like you and I, he's a human. Okay? He's, a, he's just a man. He's not even a woman. He's just a man. Ladies, can I get an amen or something right there? That was for you. He, he, you, know what my, you know what my kids say? <clears throat> let's see, how do they say it? If They say that they're kids, but I'm a human. They don't say adults. They use the word human. So it's like they think they're some other creature, which I kind of agree with that. Um, so when they grow up, they'll be a human. That's kind of how it works. Moses is a human. Like us. He struggles like we do. And we see him struggling here very much in chapter 4. And as he's talking with God. At the burning bush, remember. Shoes off. Face bowed to the ground. He gives God excuses. Can you believe that? Let that sink in for a second. He's talking to God at the burning bush. He's hearing God's voice. And he gives God excuses. He, that's what he's doing here in chapter 4. He's offering these excuses. The first excuse that Moses offers is this. It's in the first nine verses. But... You see it in verse 1 very clearly where he says to God, But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice. For they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. You've probably heard the saying, Has it ever occurred to you that nothing's ever occurred to God? Sometimes when I pray, I kind of have to stop myself because I'm, I'm telling God things like he needs to, like he doesn't know, right? Moses uses this word, behold. <laughs> He's talking to God. And he says, now, hold, now wait, here's something you need to understand. Behold. Look, just think, you're, obviously there's something you've overlooked. That's kind of what he's saying. Behold, and this is the first excuse, they won't believe. Number one, they won't believe. Listen, that's not Moses' place to say that. God knows how they're going to react. God knows what He's going to have to do in their hearts to get them to follow Moses. But God is so gracious, and, and we see God's grace all over this passage. God's so gracious, what does He do for Moses? When Moses says this thing, God says, okay, here's what I'll do for you. Verse 2, what is that in your hand? A rod. Moses is a shepherd. He's got his shepherd's staff. And God says, throw that rod down on the ground. And when he does, it turns into a snake. How many of you hate snakes? Like with all of your heart, you hate them. How many of you, there's no such, there's no, no good, or the only good snake is a dead snake. Is that your saying? That's my mom. Now my grandpa, we grew up, um, 
living right on the same property as our business. So I was with my grandpa and, and grandma and the work crew, and everybody was right there. I was raised by a, a company. I'm not even a family. I was raised by a company, by a business. I was right there with, with all those guys, and so I was always with my grandpa. And my grandpa had a rule. You don't kill a snake. You find a snake on the property, you can remove it. You can put it away from the women out in the ditch or something, but don't kill it because they eat mice and bugs and stuff like that. He, he didn't want us to ever kill a snake. And I can remember one time there was a snake. It was like up on our porch or somewhere where my mother could see it. And she said, get rid of this snake. So I went out there and I picked the snake up by its tail and I took it out to the ditch like Grandpa would do. And I had I, just a little garter snake or something and I let it go. I thought she'd be pleased. I got back up to the house. She's hopping mad. She said, why didn't you kill it? She wanted it dead. I can't imagine a thing like this happening. But this is what God did. He said, throw it down and it became a snake. Now, did you see Moses' reaction? Did you notice when we read it? He runs away. Okay? This might be just as far as some of us made it in the conversation. Because some of you might not ever turn back around. You'd still be running. But apparently Moses stopped and turned around and once he got at it, what he felt was a safe distance. And then God says, go pick it up by the tail. How many of you that would require a great amount of faith? Yeah. <laughs> so he goes and he, he picks up the snake, grab, he catches its tail, and it turns into a rod again. An absolute miracle that God did. And God's saying, when you get to Egypt... This is what you can do to prove to the people that I've met with you. And that's the thing. Let's see. That's verse. <clears throat> look at verse 5. He says, I'm going to do this that they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, hath appeared unto thee. He does. He's, he's not. Notice what he's not saying. He's not saying, I'll, I'll let you do this miracle so they'll think you're the man and they will follow you. Not what he's saying. He said, I'm going to do this miracle to catch their attention and capture their hearts so they'll know that you've been with me. That I've been talking to you. Because what God wants is not for the people just to follow Moses, but for the people to follow him. And only him. So he says, that's why I'm going to do this thing. Then he does something even more amazing for Moses. He, he tells him, he says, put your hand into your bosom. In other words, take your hand and put it inside your clothing like this. I thought about trying to work out some magic trick that I could do just to freak you out. If I could stick my hand here and pull it out with some kind of something on it. I, I just couldn't work it out. Wouldn't that have been an awesome trick? Man. Pulls his hand out and it's just covered in leprosy. Now, if Moses could have run away from his own hand, I think he would, but it was attached to him. And God says, put that back in, and he snatches it out real quick because he's saying, please let it be clean. And it was. That's the, the second miracle that God does for Moses at this moment to help him and to eventually help the people. When he gets to Egypt, he says, here's what I want you to do. This is what you can do for them. Look at verse, verse 9. 
He says, and if they won't believe that, then we'll do something else. He tells him in verse 9 that he can take up water from the Nile River and pour it out onto the shore. And when that water hits the ground, it would be blood. And that would be another sign to the people that God had met with Moses. But I want you to remember something that God has already said to Moses. Back in chapter 3, when this conversation begins at the burning bush, look at chapter 3, verse 12. Let's look at verse 11, because Moses says there to God, Who am I that I should go into Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, this is God's response, Certainly I will be with thee, and this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, he shall serve, ye shall serve God upon this mountain. <clears throat> this should have settled it for Moses. Now again, <clears throat> I'm not trying to be uppity. I'm not trying to act like if I was in Moses, if we're reading about Adam Hubbard, you know, in the text here, that Adam Hubbard, oh, let's go, God, I'm ready to trust you. You know, I, we don't need rods or snakes or I'll just trust you. I'm not saying that I would be that because I'm just as weak or, no, I'm certainly much more weak than Moses. But God has already said to Moses, not only that they would believe, but that they would end up back on that mountain worshiping Him. God's doing some things to help Moses. He's doing some things to help the people. And He does things to help you and I. But ultimately, He wants us to trust Him. To just take Him at His word. That's faith. To believe what He said. What He said is so important. You and the people, here's the token, you and those people will end up right back here worshiping me. I.e., Moses, don't tell me what the people will or won't do. This excuse does not hold any water with God. Moses says, God, at the burning bush, God, these people, they're not going to believe. Hold it right there. You know what? I think you and I do the same thing when we keep our mouths shut and we don't share the gospel message. When we don't make that attempt to talk to somebody about Christ because we think in our hearts, in our, in our unbelieving hearts, they're not going to believe it. When we think that, you need to go look in the mirror and look at somebody that believed it. It's not our place to tell God what's going to happen. People are unpredictable, right? People are unpredictable. You never know what they're going to do or say or think. It's not up to us. It's not up to us. Moses says they won't believe. Now he's got another excuse. God just took care of him. I mean, it's amazing. I'm amazed at God's patience. Not just with Moses, but with me. I'm amazed that he's so patient in this conversation. He doesn't get upset. He doesn't rebuke Moses uh, for, for telling him a thing or two. 
you know, this people, they're not going to believe. But then he says something else. I mean, God says, here's what I'm going to do. Bing, bang, boom, three miracles, okay, that I will do through you for the people. Then verse 10. And Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. What's Moses saying now? What's his second excuse? The first one was they won't believe. The second one is I can't talk. I don't know if you noticed or not, but I kind of find it funny that the guy who says he can't talk just told God about three different ways he can't talk. Did you notice that? He says, I'm not eloquent. I'm slow of speech. I haven't been able to talk before, nor can I talk now. I'm slow of tongue. Three different ways he tells God, I can't talk good. Hey, you know what? Acts chapter 7. This little homework for you, okay? You're always wanting to read ahead on me and know the rest of the story. Check out Acts chapter 7. In Acts chapter 6 and 7, Stephen, the first martyr of the church, he's preaching to the Jews at Jerusalem. And as he's preaching, he uses this story of Moses... Uh, to share the gospel message with the people of Israel. He compares Moses to Jesus and how Moses was first rejected by his brethren, but then accepted. And he's saying to them, you've rejected Jesus, but you need to accept him. He's your leader. He's the one you need to trust, just like our fathers followed Moses. That's kind of the gist of the message. So read that later. You'll, You'll find some insight there. That's also where we find this timeline about how all this falls into place in Moses' life. How old he is when this happens and that happens. You'll see that in Acts chapter 7. But I want to read one of those verses for you. It's Acts 7.22. Listen to how Stephen describes Moses. Of course, uh, now I want you to remember, it's the Holy Spirit speaking through Stephen. He says this, And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty... In words and in deeds. So now we look back at Exodus chapter 4 and Moses says, I can't talk. And you know what we say? Moses, we don't believe you. Right? Moses, you can too talk. So God says here in Acts that he could talk, that he could speak well. He was, a, he was mighty in words. But look how God handles Moses' excuse, I can't talk. In verse 11, I'm back in Exodus 4 here. The Lord said unto him, Who hath made man's mouth? Or who maketh the dumb, or deaf, or the seeing, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with thy mouth, and teach thee what thou shalt say. I, I love this. I love God's response here. To Moses. He says three things really. He says Moses. I made you. I made your mouth. He says. I'll be with you. I like how he says it. He says. I will be with thy mouth. (laughs) In verse 12. I need God to be with my mouth. (laughs) Do you ever feel that way? That's a prayer we should pray. 
every morning when we wake up, God, be with my mouth today. It's able to get me in big trouble somewhere, somehow. Be with my mouth. James talks about that in, in his epistle, about the tongue and how much trouble it can get us in. He says, I'll be with your mouth. And then he says, I'll teach you. Yeah, I'll teach you what thou shalt say. As you go, as you trust me, I'll teach you. It reminds me of what Jesus said to the apostles, to his disciples. He said, There's, there will come a time when they, they will persecute you. They'll put you out of the synagogues. There will come a time, Jesus said, when you will stand before judges. But he said, don't worry about what to say because in that moment I'll put the words in your mouth. Paul prayed for utterance. Lord, help me know what to say. Be with my mouth. That's what God says he'll do for Moses. He'll teach him as he goes. The creation. Moses is the creation. God is the creator. The creation has no right to complain to the creator about the way in which it was created. That's what God's saying. Moses, I made you. I also made those who are deaf and dumb, those who can't hear or speak. I made the blind. God says, I have a reason. I have a purpose for that. And I will use them, you, and anybody and everybody. What's God doing? He's knocking this excuse out from underneath Moses. I can't talk. They won't. I can't. God says, doesn't matter. And it doesn't matter with whatever deficiency you think you have. God can. God will. You can probably look at yourself and think about yourself. And you've probably got that thing or two that you don't like about yourself. Or that you feel like this thing holds you back. Can I remind you that you are fearfully and wonderfully made by your creator? Not only that, you are loved by a savior who took you and what you think is your weakness and your imperfection. He took you and saved you from your sin. Can I get an amen? amen. Can I get another one? Amen. He, it doesn't matter. And you, the creation, have no right to speak to the creator and say, well, I can't do because it doesn't work. Because God just knocked that excuse out from underneath of us. He says, I made you. He says, I'll be with you. You know what? God never asked us to do anything without Him. I think sometimes, maybe it's just me, but sometimes I think, I look at God's work this way. That God's sitting up in heaven. He's told me what to do. And now he's stamping his foot like this, waiting to see what I'm going to do. Like he's given me the, the order. And now I have to go off on my own and do it. That's not right. That's not how it works. Jesus said, lo, I'll be with you always. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. God's not going to stay there in that burning bush while Moses goes off a three days journey to Egypt. God's going with him. 
God's just told Moses, don't worry about that. I'm going with you. I will be with your mouth. And then he says, I'll teach you. God is always working to grow us. He, he wants to, he has to first work in us before he can work through us. So if we resist him growing us, and sometimes that's uncomfortable, if we resist that, then he never gets to work through us like he wants to. Because we're resisting. So we can't fight against him. We have to trust him. You know what we have a tendency to do? By we I mean me. To make it all about us. Moses is kind of making it about him. He's he's not looking at this quite right. At this point in the conversation. They're not going to believe me. I can't talk. It's not about you, Moses. We've got to stop making it all about us. It's all about God and what He wants to do through us. This idea of Him growing us and bringing us along so that then He can work through us, that kind of comes down to the heart of the purpose statement that we have for our church here is that we are disciples making disciples. We're just still learning and growing. But as we do, God can, He wants to, He must use us. Work through us to help somebody else. I can't talk, He says. But then, it gets a little more serious in verse 13. God's just knocked that excuse out from underneath of Him. They won't. I can't. But now he says something else. Verse 13. He said, Oh my Lord, send, I pray thee, by the hand of him whom thou wilt send. Now it's a little vague almost. But you know, I'll kind of put it in the vernacular for you. He's saying now I won't. It's not they won't. It's not, I can't. Now it's, I won't. He's saying, send somebody else. Send, I pray thee, by the hand of him whom thou wilt send. No, Moses. I'm not sending someone else. I've called you. Verse 14. The anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. Kindled is a very good word to use at this moment since the bush is on fire. I'm sure Moses was well aware that the anger of the Lord was kindled against him right here at this moment. And, uh, you know, we, we've got to be really careful about telling God what to do. And God's okay. He's more than okay with our weakness. In fact, he wants to use that. He understands that, that we can get, get things um, out of focus. He understands. He knows that we are prone to take our eyes off of Him. He has a way of lifting our heads back to where they need to look. But when we say, no, 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 
send somebody else. That's different. No, God's called you. God's put his finger on you. God's wants to, he wants to work through you. Moses is trying to pass the buck. Wait a minute, Moses. Aren't you the guy that back a few years ago in Egypt tried to start the whole revolution off by yourself? You've got blood on your hands, Moses. That's how serious you were about this. Wait till you read Acts chapter 7. Stephen talks about what Moses thought would happen when he killed that Egyptian. Stephen talks about it. And at this point, Moses is saying, send somebody else. He wants out of this thing. He's totally trying to back out, and God is angry. But even in his anger, and God gets angry. But even in his anger, you ever get angry with your kids? Makes sense. Even in his anger, God's still being gracious to Moses. He's showing him grace. Verse 14, the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is not Aaron the Levite thy brother? I know that he can speak well. And also, behold, he cometh forth to meet thee, and when he seeth thee, he will be glad in his heart. Couple things about this. First of all, God's being gracious to Moses and saying, I'll, I'll give you help. Fine. I'll give you the rod. You can do the leprosy thing, the water to blood. Um, I'll, I'll do all this to help you. Okay, you don't think you can talk good? I've got someone that will help you. I know Aaron, your brother, he can talk, he can speak well. And not only that, God says that Aaron's already on his way to see you. I love that because God, our, our omnipresent God, that means He's all at all, he's, he's every place. He can be with you and He can be with His believers in China. He's everywhere and He's always working. He never stops. And He looks and He, he knows that Moses is going to need help. And so He's already been talking to Aaron. He's already said, You need to go look up your brother, he's in trouble. You need to go look up your, your brother because I've got something for you guys to do. So exciting. Aaron's on his way. God says, I, I, I'm going to send Aaron out to help you. Okay? So even, in, even though he's angry with Moses, he's being gracious to Moses. Now God, he is, uh, he's chosen to use people. Some might think that was a mistake on God's part. Choosing to use people to do what he wants to be done. He didn't choose angels to deliver the gospel message and do the work of the Great Commission. He chose his church, his own redeemed, his own blood-bought people. That's whom he's chosen to send out with the gospel message to make a difference where we live to to serve Him, to further the gospel. He chose us. And He's willing to help us through our weaknesses and even our lack of faith. Finally, Moses says, okay, I'll go. After the excuses, God dealt with each of them. Now He says, I'll go. And I want to be brief with the rest of this chapter. 
Verse 18. Moses went and returned to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said unto him, Let me go, I pray thee, and return unto my brethren, which are in Egypt, and see whether they be yet alive. And Jethro said to Moses, Go in peace. And the Lord said unto Moses in Midian, Go, return. Now's the time. And Moses gets up and he goes. He loads up his family and he takes off. And he takes the rod of God in his hand. Verse 21. And the Lord said unto Moses, When thou goest to return into Egypt, see that thou do all those wonders before Pharaoh, which I have put in thine hand. But I will harden his heart, that he shall not let the people go. So Moses says, Okay, I'll go. And God paves the way for Moses. God gives Moses... By paves the way, I mean... Jethro, his father-in-law, is willing to let them go. There's no trouble there. He sends them off with his blessing. God gives Moses details along the way. Oh, that's, I think that's maybe the thing that you and I are looking for. We want the details. We want to know all the steps before we take the first one. God really doesn't do, handle things that way. He doesn't deal with us that way. Moses takes the step and then some of the details get filled in along the way. That's walking by faith. But there's a warning that we need to heed. I'm sure you noticed a couple verses here that it's, it kind of makes you go, huh? As we read this text, it's one of the most frightening scenes in all of the Bible. Mo- Moses says, okay, I'll go. Loads up the family, off they go. They get to the Motel 6. They stop for the night. It's a three-day journey. They stop for the night. Verse 24. And it came to pass, by the way, in the end, that the Lord met him and sought to kill him. Right? It's one of these things that makes you go... Huh? I thought we were doing better. Right? I thought Moses was doing better. I thought he was obeying. I thought he was going the way that God wanted him to go. And he is. But it's kind of like the story that Jesus told. In a way, it's like the story Jesus told about the two brothers. You know, the one guy said, uh, he said, the father said to the boys, now go out and work in the field. And the first son said, I'm not going. And so the dad says to the other boy, go work in the field. He says, yeah, I'll go. But he never goes. The other boy repents and says, I'll go. There's one thing in Moses' life that hasn't been dealt with yet. There is a, a matter in which Moses has disobeyed the Lord. He's saying, I'll go, and he's in the process of it. But God stops him because he says, you haven't obeyed me in this. God gave circumcision as the sign to Israel. And Israel's uh, response in obeying that command to circumcise their sons. It's a sign of the covenant, the promise between God and the people of Israel. Abraham and everyone in his household were circumcised when God gave the command And then every son of his thereafter. 
But now Moses has sons. And at least one of Moses' sons hasn't been circumcised. God's trying to kill Moses. I'd like to know what that looked like, kind of. Moses' wife, Zipporah, who's not an Israelite, she's a Midianite, she looks at this scene, she sees what's happening, and she knows why God is judging Moses. She knows why God is seeking to kill him. And so she takes a sharp stone and she circumcises her son and throws the foreskin at Moses and at God. And she says, a bloody man art thou. I would venture a guess that this is something that they have fought about. This is something that they have disagreed upon. This is something, this is an area that Moses has failed to lead his family in. And this is something that all the while that God's been dealing with Moses, he's been waiting for Moses to obey him, and the time has come. It's a time of judgment, and it's not been dealt with, and God says, we'll deal with it now. When she does this thing, God lets go of his throat. And that's the end of it. There's not even any more talk about it in the text. There's a couple verses here that kind of go, Shocking. A couple of shocking verses. What's the point of all this? Well, God takes obedience or disobedience very seriously. It's not right for us to sit here and pretend that we want to know God's purpose for our lives, that we want to do God's will, and all the while we know that there's something hidden in the closet that hasn't been dealt with. There's a sin that hasn't been confessed. There's something that we're refusing to obey in. And let this be a warning to us. Lest we be like that older son. Yeah, I'll go. I'll obey. I'll do it. Daddy. And then we sit back down and refuse. Because in a sense, that's what Moses has done. And God stops him in his tracks. We, we can't expect God to guide us and reveal that purpose that he has for us unless we're really serious about obeying him. Will you let God examine your heart? Are you obeying him in what you already know you're to be doing? I want to I just leave that question with you. We, we need God to examine our hearts often, always, to be examining our hearts. Because it is pretty easy to just make excuses like Moses did. Or to just uh, cover things up like Moses did. And try to go on. But God who sees our hearts. Doesn't overlook anything. If, if I don't know if. I'm not saying that God's going to choke you to death. Tonight. Okay. But he is the judge of all the earth. We will stand before him. There are times. I'll not, sta- I'll not stand here and. 
And I'm not going to stand here and let anyone have the impression that God, he's, he might just let you get away with No, he doesn't let anybody get away with anything. Sometimes he does deal with people right here, right now, like he dealt with Moses. But if he doesn't, you can be sure of one thing. We'll stand before him someday in judgment. Jesus, the judge of the quick and the dead, we will stand before him and give an account. I don't want him to look at me and say, you talked about doing my purpose. You talked about doing my will, but you never did it. Because you held on to this, or you wouldn't let go of that, and you wouldn't confess this sin. Let's stand together.